Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast with Aaron Holt, Functional Nutritionist. I work with clients on the seacoast of New Hampshire and virtually all over the world through both private consultations and online nutrition programs. I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Mayorana, registered dietitian of Root Down Nutrition based in Asheville, North Carolina. We are both board-certified integrative and functional nutritionists. This means we dive deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. In this podcast, we will address all things health, food, and nutrition, discussing our research, clinical experience, and life experience. Please keep in mind our disclaimer, this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or medical treatment. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Hello, my friends, Erin here, and today's episode is going to be all about what to do if you're if you're experiencing an autoimmune flare-up. So my, I would say, top tips for coping with autoimmune flares. Now, you might be thinking, hey, this episode doesn't apply to me, but you'd be surprised because um, autoimmunity is super stinking common. Unfortunately, it's um, among the most prevalent diseases in the United States. It's more common among women than men. And um, I've heard one expert say that autoimmunity is the mechanism for getting sick and dying in the modern world today. So even if you don't have a diagnosed autoimmune disease, I'm gonna talk a little bit about the, the mechanisms of autoimmunity. So you might wanna stay tuned uh, for that. and. In working with other practitioners and colleagues, I think we've we've found that the patients and the clients that are sort of like mystery people, like all of these weird symptoms that have no explanation, um, all of their 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 lab tests come back normal. They're not getting any answers from conventional me- me- uh, medicine. There's almost always some autoimmune component going on underneath the hood. So, um, I you know I know we talk about this a lot on the show, but if you you're one of those people and you just keep coming up against not getting any answers. Um, you know, there might be something going on with the immune system. Unfortunately, it's not an easy answer. It's not as simple as like taking a blood test at your doctor's and getting like the diagnosis. Uh, There certainly are certain tests that can indicate certain autoimmune diseases, but it's usually not as straightforward as that. I, I forget what the exact stat is, but it's like somewhere between five and 10 doctors that the average uh, patient has to visit before receiving an actual autoimmune diagnosis, which is just, you know, obviously deplorable um, because there's a lot of suffering involved. So anyway, the reason that I'm releasing this episode today is because a former client of mine, she is currently in my, um, my private Facebook community and she posted that she got exposed to gluten and she has celiac disease. So I'm like, shoot, I got to get this episode ready to air so she can <laughs> implement some of these these practices and hopefully start 
feeling better soon. Um, I'm not going to get into the specifics of gluten and celiac disease. I did write a blog a couple of years ago called What to Do If You Get Glutened. I will link to that in the show notes. Um, And that goes into like very specific things you could do. And that applies to whether you have celiac disease or non-celiac gluten sensitivity, which by the way is a real thing. Um, go check that blog out and bookmark it in case you do get gluten, um, just for future ref. And, um, this show, I'm going to do something different for this show. I'm going to post the transcripts, uh, on my blog. So basically you can listen to this show and if you want to go back and use it, uh, and reference what I've said, th- uh, most of what I'm saying on this episode will be posted on my blog. If you hear weird noise in the background, like the click clacking of dogs' fingernails on hardwood floor, that is my dog, Bill Murray, in the background. He's just slinking around. Hopefully he doesn't make too much noise. Um, One quick thing before we get in, the Carb Compatibility Project next live round starts on August 5th. Get yourself signed up. Guys, the keto craze, it's not going anywhere. Okay, it's going to be around for a while. So if you're curious about a low-carb diet and want to do it in a really smart and safe way, this four-week program is for you. You will learn a lot about carbohydrates and how they interact with your 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 physiology. Um, a lot of people approach this already on a low-carb diet and realize, oh my gosh, I need more carbs than I thought I, w- I did. So it can be really helpful to dispel some carb fear. And then a lot of, lot of women come to it realizing that they were eating way too many carbs for their body. So you really do find that perfect carb sweet spot for yourself doing this process. It's a very specific process that I have designed and laid out. And then you also get to ask me questions in real time. So if you, you know, you need help troubleshooting, you can, you can ask me and I'll, I'm there to help you out along the way. Um, I'm just kind of shocked at how, um, the way some people are still continuing to approach a low carb or keto diet, it is not in the best way possible. I think there's a lot of utility to low carb diets. Uh, the ketogenic diet has a lot of therapeutic um, benefits, but the way that some people are approaching it is just not good. So we'll use a little bit of intuitive eating, a lot of nutrition science, and um, a lot of good, yummy food. So looking forward to that. Hope you can join me. Again, that starts August 5th, but get yourself signed up early so you're not in like this mad dash last minute scramble. Okay, so let's dive into autoimmune disease. I'm just going to do a brief overview for those who are unfamiliar or who have question marks about what autoimmunity is. It's essentially dis- a dysfunction of your body's immune system. Like your the way that I describe it, it's like your body gets tripped up. It gets a little bit confused. The immune system, as we all know, is supposed to protect us from disease, infection, foreign invaders, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes the immune system gets mixed up and starts to launch an attack by producing antibodies against our own body. So healthy cells, tissues, organs, things that obviously shouldn't be 
be a target of attack, start to get attacked. Now, of course, the question is, well, what the heck causes this? And our body is responding to some type of antigen. Now, an antigen is a toxin or other foreign substance that induces an immune response. And we all have a threshold. So we come in contact with antigens all the freaking time, especially in modern day, like environmental pollutants, food. I mean, think about glyphosate and all the chemicals that our food is sprayed with, um, food chemicals, colors, additives, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff that our body has to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And everyone has a unique antigen load threshold. So it's basically like how many things can your body withstand? And everybody is going to be different there. And that's going to be based on different things like genetics, um, your detoxification capacity. And, it, and if we stay below our unique threshold, we're generally fine, right? But if we go above that, that's when we can start to experience autoimmunity. So unfortunately, with autoimmune disease, it, there is no quote-unquote cure. Um, I interviewed Dr. Becky Campbell last week, and she was talking specifically about Hashimoto's, which is the autoimmune disease that attacks the thyroid gland, and she said the same exact thing, right? There's no cure for autoimmunity. Once the gene for autoimmune disease has been turned on, you can't go in and turn it off. The only thing that you can do is try to bring about balance to the immune system so it doesn't over-respond. And that is what managing an autoimmune disease looks like. That's kind of what getting an autoimmune disease into remission looks like. It is simply trying to balance your immune system so it's not constantly overreacting, over-responding, or under-responding. It's just kind of doing its job as it's supposed to. So talking about an autoimmune flare-up, um, I experienced one relatively recently, a few weeks ago, and it was so brutal. And that's really what prompted me to be like, I should talk about this on the show because I know other people experience the same thing. And these are kind of like my tips and tricks. <laughs> um, I have, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, scleroderma, four years ago, I got the diagnosis. And so, I mean, and I had been sick before that. So who knows how long I've had you know, I had the the autoimmune stuff going on. Um, but for the past four years, I've been learning to live with a chronic illness and how do I manage that so it doesn't impact my day-to-day -day life. Um, but sometimes it will, it will flare up. Um, and an autoimmune flare-up is really, it's a worsening and intensification of symptoms and it's temporary. Um, how temporary? That's kind of a question mark that's dependent upon the person and what's going on in their life. But there's usually something that triggers a flare. It doesn't just kind of, even though sometimes it feels like it comes out of nowhere, usually it doesn't come out of nowhere. There's some type of trigger. And I would say that the most common ones are uh, stress. So like either a long-term stress or a period of really acute stress, um, an emotional event, something happens, or you're just simply overworked and underrested. You know, that kind of grinds down on the immune system over time and that can, that can trigger a flare. Um, when you're experiencing a flare, symptoms get pretty severe and intense 
you can experience fatigue, pain. It can be hard to get out of bed. It can be hard to think clearly. That's um, That was what I was experiencing a few weeks back was just like this really intense brain fog where I just felt like I couldn't shake the cobwebs out. Um, it can be feel like it's really hard to do daily tasks. Sometimes symptoms can feel like flu-like symptoms. And of course, it's going to be different based on your condition and, and all sorts of things. It's going to manifest in many different ways for different people. But those are usually the big, um, I would say, predominating symptoms for most people. So today on this show, I'm going to discuss what to do if you are experiencing a flare. And I I want to throw out there that this can be a really emotional time for some people just because you go into this, if you're anything like myself, you go into this fix-it mode and you're like, what do I do? How do I fix this? You don't know necessarily what caused it. You don't know how long it's going to last. That's the really big thing for me. It's like, is this going to be two days? Is this going to be two months? I don't know, Um, which can be so stressful and anxiety producing. Um, And then there's this whole other component that is fear of disease progression. So like, am I experiencing these symptoms because my disease state is worsening? That is a real fear for people and um, that causes obviously a lot of stress. So it kind of becomes this cycle and that like life stress or emotional stress can contribute to this um, autoimmune flare up, which in turn causes a great deal of significant stress. So um, just shout out to anybody that's going through that. I get it. I truly, truly do. It's brutal and I am sending lots of love your way. Um, before we get into the the specific things to try, I want to point out that this discussion that I'm about to have kind of assumes that you've already done some digging on your own to assess the root cause of your illness. Now, when I'm talking about antigen antigens, I'm assuming that you've done some things to figure out what you you know what what happened, what triggered your your immune disease in, in to begin with. We can spend so long when we're feeling lousy and we know something's wrong, we can spend so long trying to get answers to our symptoms. Like I said earlier, it's like between 5 to 10 doctor visits or uh, like different actual practitioners before we get answers. Um, When we do, if we do get diagnosed, it can feel like validation. Like I call us the ones with actual diagnosis are like the lucky ones because we actually know, hey, I have this disease. I'm not crazy. It's not in my head, but it doesn't actually provide any real answers. Unfortunately, it's it's just the beginning. <laughs> like when I got my diagnosis, it's like it was just the beginning. Um, the next step is to figure out what caused the immune system to over respond in the first place, which is way easier said than done because autoimmunity often has many triggers and root causes. I mean, sometimes there's one thing that kind of pushes somebody over the edge, but it's usually a combination of different things. Um, It might be environmental, like chemicals in the environment, mold, uh, growing up in a moldy house or living in some place with mold or working in a moldy building, 
could be heavy metals, um, mercury, mercury amalgams or otherwise. Um, it might be a food trigger like gluten. We were talking about gluten earlier. That's a pretty major one. But um, casein in dairy is also another big one. There's many different types of food triggers, right? Those are just the two most common ones that I see. Um, it might be stress and dysregulated cortisol. So your HPA axis, your hypothalamus, pituitary adrenal axis might be out of whack. Um, that communication between the brain and your adrenals could be not working appropriately. Um, that's a humongous trigger to autoimmune, autoimmune disease. And I, I would go as far to say that if you have autoimmunity, there's, there's probably almost always a stress component involved. Um, it could be a gut infection. This is extremely common. If someone comes to me with autoimmune disease, we are for sure, without a doubt, running a stool test to take a look at what's happening in the gut, uh, whether it's a pathogen or leaky gut, intestinal, intestinal permeability, or otherwise. Um, it could be viral like Epstein-Barr virus. So viral infections can cause the immune system to go haywire. Um, it might be some other stealth infection like Lyme or another tick-borne illness. And then, like I said before, it could be a combination of several of these things or all of these things. So it's not always as simple as like, oh, here's the one, the one thing <laughs> uh, that caused it. I'm laughing because I'm like, oh my God, if only it were that simple. Um, so in order to figure out your root cause, this is where functional lab testing really comes in handy. And Kyle and I did an episode um, on the the test to ask your doctor for. We talk about you know just conventional straightforward tests, but also more of the functional tests. And um, so if you want to hear more about those tests and how we use them in our practices, you can check that episode out. Uh, but I'll kind of give you the cliff notes here. One is a GI test. You absolutely want to get that done. So again, we're looking for intestinal permeability or also called leaky gut. Um, do some microbiome mapping. So what's happening at the level of your bacteria? What, do you have good commensal bacteria? Do you have overgrown, undergrown, dysbiosis? Is there any type of infections, pathogens like a, a parasite or um, something like an H. pylori or um, yeast overgrowth? What's your digestive capacity? You know, are you breaking down your fats? Are you producing enough pancreatic enzymes? All of these are really, really important. The gut and the immune system are so intimately connected because just about 80% of our immune system resides in the lining of the gut. So um, we have to go there if you've got autoimmunity. There's no question there. And then looking at adrenal function, so I, like I was talking about your stress response, what's your cortisol doing, the HPA axis, um, you could do that through saliva, the salivary test, or the one that I am really a huge fan of lately is the Dutch test. Um, and we will be running that panel in my your hormone revival group that starts in September, just a heads up. Um, so those would be two really great places to start in terms of assessing root cause, but also um, doing some type of, I, 
I'm not a huge fan of food sensitivity testing in my practice. I don't do it often. I think there's a time and a place and it has to be very, very carefully done at a very appropriate time. Um, but doing something to test for gluten, especially if someone's not really like buying into the whole gluten thing. For me, if somebody comes to, to me with autoimmunity, I want them off gluten. Just get off the gluten. But some people want to see the data that their body's responding to that. There is a marker in the GI map, um, the stool test that I run, that's called anti-glidin. So that can be a little bit of a tip off, like, hey, your body's reacting to gluten, but not always. That's not the 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 be all end all test. Um, what the ones that I like, one is called Wheat Zoomer. Um, I like that one for gluten because it looks at, I think it's like 24 different ways your body can respond to gluten. So if you go to your your um, your doctor and you ask to be tested for celiac disease, they're looking at one of four, either one of four or one of six ways your body can respond to um, the molecules that are in gluten. But this test, the wheat zoomer, is looking at all the ways. I think it's 24 ways that your body can respond. So it's a much more accurate gauge um, as to whether or not your body's responding to gluten. And then Cyrex labs also make very good food sensitivity testing and um, gluten sensitivity testing. But again, you want to make sure you're working with a practitioner that knows when to use them. And if you do have autoimmunity or you you do have immune suppression and you're not producing, you're, let's say your, your immune system isn't um, firing on all cylinders, you might do one of these tests and come back all negative because your immune system just isn't, isn't responding appropriately. So you want to make sure that you can actually mount an immune response against antigens before you run one of these potentially very expensive labs um, in terms of food sensitivity testing. And then from there, if you want to, you know, dig a little bit deeper, and this isn't, these aren't tests that I run on everybody. Um, this is more like second tier testing to keep digging, but doing an Epstein-Barr panel might be, might be helpful to look for um, any acute infection, whether, you know, I mean, most of the population hasn't been exposed to Epstein-Barr, but is it reactivated in your system? That could be something uh, to pay attention to. And then looking at mycotoxins, um, I like the Great Plains mycotoxin test to look at whether or not there's, um, there's a mold or a fungal component to what you're going through. So that would be some like a good start to look for root cause. Um, and just remember that the goal in addressing autoimmune disease is to restore balance to the immune system. And in order to do that, you have to address the immune triggers or the antigens. So it's not Unfortunately, conventional medicine doesn't really have a whole lot of options for autoimmune disease other than immunosuppressants. So it's kind of like reduce your stress and we're just going to shut down the immune system, which is obviously not great. If you have to do something like that, you have to do something like that. But I say like do a little bit of digging and investigate your other options. Um, you know, conventional medicine is so great for trauma, for acute infection, for illness. But when it comes to chronic illness, that's where functional medicine really, really excels. So kind of pick and choose your battles. And I know the cost is a big issue. We've talked about it on the show. You're paying out of pocket a lot you know, for a lot of this stuff, but you're going to pay for it one way or the other. I mean, insurance premiums are going up through the roof and 
you know, we're, we're paying for it, whether or not we know it. Um, we just have to kind of like reframe that in our mind. It really requires a brand new health paradigm. Um, so just keep that in mind. So we need to, the, the very first step is to reduce the antigen load. We have to remove the things that are provoking the immune attack. Um, lower that overall antigen load. But in order to do that, we have to know what the antigens are. What are the triggers? What are What's our body over responding to? We have to figure out what those root cause things are. Um, there's a great analogy, and I've probably said it on the show before, but it's like if you step on a tack, you know, sure, you can take Advil to reduce the pain, but the problem's never going to go away unless you remove the tack from your heel. Like that's what you actually have to do. So root cause medicine and, and, and root cause restoration is really all about remove, looking for the tack and then trying to remove it. Um, and then from there, the second part is really about balancing the immune system. Because again, once you've got autoimmunity, there is no turning it off. You've got it. You're, it's just more about managing it and supporting the immune system to the best of your ability. So how do we do that, right? One of the ways to do that and, and one of the, the most important things to do is to support something called T-regulatory cells. Um, T-reg cells help regulate inflammation and autoimmunity. They help to restrain the immune system, right? So it's not over-responding. Um, they can stop our immune cells from attacking our own tissue. So they're obviously super important, but unfortunately with autoimmunity, um, T-reg cells don't always do their job well. They can start to act erratically. They might issue too much of an immune response or not enough of an immune response. Um, they get a little bit tripped up and start to act. Um, I heard an analogy that they start to like act like drunk people, you know? Um, so if you've got autoimmunity, there's a good chance that you're deficient in T-regulatory cells or that the ones that you have are dysfunctional. So ultimately to manage autoimmune symptoms, we want to encourage T-reg cells to do their jobs, their proper jobs, like sober. Um, we want They want to dampen the inflammatory response, support immune system function and just do their jobs effectively. So one of the ways to do that is through supplements, certain nutritional compounds. Um, so in addition to my normal daily supplements, if, if and when I'm going through a flare, there are certain ones that I really ramp up. So I'm going to tell you specifically which ones um, I, I do and which ones you can look into for yourself. A note on supplements I'm just going to throw it out there. I take a lot of them. Um, they're a part of my life. They're a part of my routine. I budget for them. I prioritize them. They stabilize my health. Um, I'm a big fan. But the ones that I take, I refer to as targeted supplementation, meaning that I take them based off of labs, based off of symptoms, based off of things that I know is going on in my body. I'm not just being like, oh, Gwyneth Paltrow said to take blah, 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 blah on the last Goop article, so I'm going to do that. Or like, Beyonce takes this or, you know, whatever. It's not, it's not just because I read it on a blog or saw it on an Instagram feed. It's 
because I'm responding to actual things going in my body. So I feel really comfortable spending the money on them. And, and the reason that I say that is because I think so many people have a closet full of supplements that they just don't take. Because if you don't know if they're really doing their job, you're not going to be as compliant with them, right? If you're like, why am I even taking this again? What am I doing? You know, like I was like late night sh shopping right from the Instagram app. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm not going to keep taking this. You know, so we spend the, this money on supplements that we don't really know that they're doing anything. So if you're, if you're taking them in direct response to like actual data like labs, I just find that with clients, there's more compliance there we're more likely to take something and to continue taking something. And that's really the deal with, with supplements. It's like, it's kind of the long play. You're not going to pop a pill and then feel like a different person the next day. It's really not how it works. I think we're kind of conditioned to think that way just because that's what modern medicine is. It's like, take a pill and be fine. You know, um, that's not how supplements work. So we don't always notice like a direct turnaround. We have to take them continuously, we have to be compliant with them, and then over time they start to restore and rebuild the body and you know restore balance and all that good stuff. So I take a lot of supplements and then these are the ones that I, I ramp up. Um, the particular ones I'll talk about support T regulatory cells, what I was just talking about, and so they, they therefore help to balance the immune system a quick note I want, since we're talking about the immune system and autoimmunity, I can't not mention this whole concept of Th1 versus Th2 dominance. This could like cover like three podcasts in and of itself. So I'm going to not do it justice, but I'm just going to, you know, uh, prime you guys for this discussion. Th stands for T helper cells. They're part of the immune system. And Th1 and Th2, they, those cells should work together back and forth in a well-balanced immune system. So they're both natural, normal, functional parts of a, a well-balanced immune system. However, in the case of autoimmunity, you might have dominance of one over the other. And that the it, this is important when it comes to immune stimulating supplements because there are certain compounds that can stimulate a Th1 response and dampen a Th2 response. Now, if you're Th1 dominant, you don't, that means you already have an overproduction of these cells or they're doing their job too much. So you don't want to push the needle further in the wrong direction. Um, it's a little bit of a tricky um a tricky idea to get your head around, but um, hopefully I'm not confusing you guys more. Uh, <laughs> I probably am. Um, so there are certain things that we could take that push a Th1 response, and there are certain things that we take that can push a Th2 response. And you just want to be sure with autoimmunity, especially during a flare-up, that you're not taking immune stimulators that could potentially make your situation worse. Um, unfortunately, there's not so there's a cytokine test that you can do but I don't know if it's available anymore I'm a, I I have some questions around that in terms of like can you actually test for Th1 Th2 dominance um there are some really good articles that you could google around and try to find on your own but as far as testing I don't really know it's not a test that I run in my practice right now anyway um but the Th1 pushers so these stimulate a Th1 response and dampen a Th2 response these are astragalus echinacea maitake mushroom licorice and lemon balm so I've never taken a test 
to tell me if I'm TH1 or TH2 dominant. But I know that I do really well with all of those five things I just mentioned. So I can sort of assume this is, you know, this is my category and I'm going to stay away from the other category of supplements. You could, there, there's um, a TH1, TH2 test where you can take doses of um, TH1 pushers and see if it promotes an autoimmune flare-up. I mean, that sounds terrible to me, so I'm not going to do it, but that that is one way to, to test the system. And then the TH2 push, pushers on the other side of the spectrum are things like green tea extract, pine bark, white willow bark, resveratrol, and pycnogenol. So all of those are going to stimulate the TH2 response and dampen the TH1 response. So those are things that I stay away from. So that's just, again, if you want to learn more information, go ahead and search around on the old interwebs for that kind of stuff. But I, I would feel like I'm doing a disservice if I didn't at least put it out there. So in other words, if you have autoimmunity, it's not as simple as just taking an immune stimulator, right? You don't want to just provoke the immune system to do um, more of an overzealous thing. All right, so these specific compounds that I'm going to talk about modulate both TH1 and TH2, and so they're, they're, there's less of a chance of causing problems with autoimmunity. There are certainly, this is not an exhaustive list, but I feel um, the safest sharing these particular supplements with you guys. And the first is glutathione. You guys know I have a love affair with glutathione. It's amazing. Um, you can take it as a nutritional supplement. Um, but most forms are not absorbed well, and so it's hard to raise the levels within the cell. Um, one, if you're going to take a pill, one that tends to be more absorbable, uh, absorbable uh, easily absorbed, is something called S-acetylglutathione. Um, liposomal glutathione is another option. The one that I take personally and like the best is Apex Energetics Glutathione. And in the, on the blog and in the show notes, um, definitely on the blog at aaronholthealth.com, I will link to specific products in case you're looking for them. Um, but that's one that I like. Another good one is by a company called, oh shoot, oh Quicksilver. That's another good liposomal glutathione. So those are liquid and you can take them and they have um, a good rate of absorption. There's other methods of delivering glutathione, um, including IVs. So you'd have to go to a naturopathic doctor for that. And um, that's obviously pretty expensive and then kind of hard to access because you have to go into a, you know, a clinician's office and sit there while you get an IV. Um, nebulizer is another way to get it into the lungs. And then there are injections you could do. Um, I don't really know much about that, but that is one way of getting it in. But I, I do, I see pretty good results with taking the liposomal forms. So I would start there. You could also consider a supplement called NAC and acetylcysteine, which is a precursor to glutathione. Um, and some people do really, really well with that. So those are some options for you, and that tends to be less expensive than glutathione. Other things to take, vitamin A and vitamin D. Most people with autoimmunity have low levels of vitamin D, so um, 
if you do have an autoimmune disease, you want to make sure to keep your levels up in a good range. And there's a lot of autoimmune experts who want to see levels around 50. I've heard up to 80 for an ideal range, so somewhere between 50 and 80. Um, levels above 100 might indicate a vitamin D overload. So of course, too much of a good thing can be too too much. Um, I'm not really personally a huge fan of just blindly supplementing with high doses of vitamin D. I think it's important to get your levels tested. So you want to do a serum 25-hydroxy vitamin D test. Get that done first before you start playing around with super high doses. I don't think that's something you just want to like willy-nilly do on your own. Um, but typical doses for vitamin D uh, for autoimmune management are pretty high. They can range anywhere from 5,000 to 10,000 IUs per day. Some people take higher doses. Um, some people have a genetic inability to absorb vitamin D um, sufficiently. So, you know, they might even have to go higher up. But this is something that you would do with a practitioner. Um, so just keep that in mind. Like, I'm not telling everybody to go out and start like mainlining vitamin D, like 20,000 IUs a day. No, don't do that. But it might make sense if you're in a flare to ramp up your dosing. And then same deal with vitamin A. It's super important for immunity. Um, and you might want to supplement with that. There, You can get some products that just have all the um, fat-soluble vitamins all in one. So I'll be sure to include that in, the, um, in my blog post. Another thing, high dose fish oil. We know that fish oil and omega-3s help to drive down inflammation. They also help to regulate Treg cells. Um, a therapeutic dose is going to be between three to five grams. That's a lot of fish oil. So during a flare, you might want to ramp things up, especially if you're taking more of a maintenance dose, which most of us are. Um, another thing, short chain fatty acids. So short chain fatty acids are things like butyrate or butyric acid and our gut bugs, our healthy gut bugs um, produce them. So if we've got dysbiosis, chances are we're not producing them uh, as well as we should be. And they're really, really important to modulate the immune system amongst many other things. Um, one way to do this dietarily is to eat a plant-rich diet with lots of variety so you want lots of different plants, lots of different fibers, carb compatibility project. What, what? We do that. I have so many things in mind when I created this program. It's not just about low-carb diet. It's about all the things that I talk about all the time. So that would be a great thing to try um, to enhance your short-chain short fatty acids. But you could also go in with a supplement. Um, the one that I like is, again, by Apex Energetics, and it is... Uh, called enterovite, but you can get um, just straightforward butyric acid other places as well. Another one, curcumin. So we know about curcumin. We know and we love it. It's anti-inflammatory, la-di-da-da-da. Um, it's definitely a smart practice to work spices like turmeric into your cooking for diversity purposes, right? We want to eat lots of different things. Um, but unfortunately, you cannot obtain the doses high enough from food to be therapeutic to dampen autoimmunity. So like just making turmeric tea, which you should do, rich turmeric tea, that recipe's on my website, it's so good. Um, it's great, it's super lovely for so many different reasons, but 
when we're talking about dampening autoimmunity, especially during a flare, we need like mega high doses of this stuff. Um, so again, this is another thing that I take in liquid form. There's two different ones that I like. Seeking Health makes a liposomal curcumin. I personally use the Apex um, turmeric. So I'll link to those. Um, you know, dosage is hard on those. It's hard to just give like a blanket statement dose because it's not really based on body weight or age, but instead it's based on your degree of inflammation. So like the more inflammation you have, the higher you have to go. You kind of have to use trial and error. Um, just start with like the standard initial dose that it says on the bottle and then basically just continue to gradually increase the amount until you obtain your results. Um, so you might get up to a higher dose than the bottle says. Next up is CBD. So CBD oil has um, some modulating effects on Treg cells as well. The one that I use, the brand that I use, trust and love is Coyote River Hemp. And I will link to them in the show notes. They're great. Um, really, really good stuff. Their products are um, all organic and just like the best of the best. I get, you got to be careful. I am not a CBD expert. I'm not fronting like I am, but I do know you have to be careful with where the where the source of the stuff is coming from. And it's this, I, I, I use personally use this product in myself and in my clients because I trust it. And also it's more affordable. So some CBD oils are get, getting like really, really costly. And um, he does a really good job about keeping it affordable. Here's the deal with the dosing. Same as the, the curcumin, this, the dosing of CBD is so individualized. And I think some people might try it and not get good results. And it's not because the CBD didn't, didn't work for them, but because it um, they just didn't didn't go high enough with the dose. Um, so I, I currently, I take 60 milligrams a day, I believe. Um, and I think like a typical dose is like starting dose is like 15 to like 30. So I, I take a pretty high dose to feel the effects and I ramp that up during an acute flare because one of my symptoms is, is bad pain. Like I just feel pain throughout my body and joint pain. Um, so that can be really helpful for reducing the pain. Um, especially if you have a trouble sleeping during an autoimmune flare, the CBD can be helpful for that as well. If it triggers anxiety, like it does for me, the CBD can be helpful for that as well. So check that out. Um, some people do a little bit better with the CBD THC blend, um, specifically for pain. So that's something to consider. Uh, just throw that out there. And then finally, probiotics help to modulate Treg cells. So you can get yourself on a good probiotic. Okay. So that's the long and the short of it for supplements. Now I'm going to switch over into food. So here's my kind of tricks of the trade during an autoimmune flare back to basics dude you just want to get back to basics it's not the time to be I the, the tricky part about it is that when you have an autoimmune flare up you feel crappy right so you you want to reach for the easy things but it's usually the easy foods that kind of got gets us into trouble with inf inflammation and and immune system dysregulation and gut dysfunction and all of that so to me, the basics is meat and veggies. That's really it. Meat, veggies, like a good quality protein, good quality fat, veggies, 
low sugar. Sugar does stimulate inflammation. It really can be a huge pain trigger. It can be a big autoimmune trigger. So stay low with the sugar. Again, I don't mean to keep pushing this on you, but carb compatibility project. If you're looking for something to do, like that is a really, really low inflammatory diet that removes most of the antigens. Um, Super powerful and effective for gut health, for detoxification, for autoimmune health. Um, If your autoimmune disease involves gastrointestinal problems, so if you've got IBD, a flare-up of IBD, uh, Crohn's or colitis, you might be better off sticking with really slow-cooked meals. Um, So like slow-cooked meats, slow-cooked veggies, bone broth, uh, soups and stews. In a way, they're sort of um, pre-digested and they're just a lot gentler on the digestive tract. So, I mean, I'm recording this in July right now. I can't really, and it's been hot, so I can't really think about eating soups and stews. But um, generally across the board, raw foods can be a little bit more problematic for the GI tract if it's inflamed. So go um, bust out your slow cooker or your Instant Pot bust out your bone broth and that can be a bit soothing to the GI tract. Um, There are definitely certain things um, that I stay away from. And like, it's funny because when I'm not under stress, I can get away with eating a lot more foods. When I'm under stress, I don't have um, quite as much tolerance for food. And that is, I mean, obviously this is the work that I do. I'm super in tune with my body, with autoimmune symptoms, with food, and how all of them are interconnected. So I can say this, but this is the case for everybody. Just <laughs> whether or not you're you're aware of it, this is the case for everybody. So even if you're not dealing with an autoimmune flare, but you're you know you're under significant life stress, it still behooves you to clean up your diet and just stick to the basics. So the things that I would stay away from for me personally Um, grains in general, those can be really problematic for me. Nightshades, I don't typically have to avoid them. I do sometimes limit them, but under stress and definitely with an autoimmune flare, I am staying away from nightshades. And then peanut butter is another one. And I don't know if that's because I've had mold issues in the past and peanuts can be a moldy food or if it's just a high lectin food. I don't really know why. I just know that peanut butter tends to be a trigger for me. So if I'm under stress or having a flare, I stay away from that. Um, for the most part, that's kind of my big things. Uh, but you know, having said that, I eat a very whole foods-based diet. So there might be trigger foods that you have to stay away from during an autoimmune flare. One uh, resource I'll throw your way is the WALS protocol. Dr. Terry WALS, she's an MD. She had MS. She reversed it through diet and lifestyle. And her food protocol is nine cups of veggies a day. So that's like so many veggies. Like it's an insane amount of veggies. And she breaks it down to a very specific um, ratio. So it's three cups of um, like color-rich food. So this can be dark berries. This can be like peaches. Um, anything that you cut down the middle, like a beet or a carrot, a butternut squash, anything when you cut down the middle, it's the same color on the inside as it is on the outside. Uh, those really deeply pigmented foods. Three cups of those a day, three cups of leafy greens, and then three cups of cruciferous veggies. So broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, kale, all of those type of things. Um, actually, it's three cups of sulfur-rich veggies, but 
cruciferous veggies fall into that category, but it would also include onions, leeks, um, mushrooms. I'm doing all of this right off the old dome piece, right up the top of the head. So I'm probably missing some things, but that's, you know, you can certainly um, find, find her protocol more succinctly laid out for you, but that's the general gist of it. And what it does is it just floods your body with all of the nutrients that it needs to heal. So it's like giving your body all the building blocks to do the things that it needs to do. And then you're like more hands off. You're like, I'm just going to present you with all of the wonderful tools and then you can build the house. Um, she also, Terry Walls also emphasizes nutrient dense foods, specifically organ meats. Now I wrote an entire blog post a couple of years ago when I was having a flare about liver and back in the days I did have to eat more liver because I was just not feeling well and it helped me feel better. Um, so liver is where it's at. I'll link to that blog post in the show notes ways to consume it and why you should and why it's helpful specifically for autoimmunity, um, but other organ meats as well, heart, brain, I don't even know. Now I'm just getting weird. Um, but she considers sardines, bone-in, skin-on sardines, organ meats too. Those are little nutrient-dense powerhouses, so you can consume those. Another idea is to do a 12-hour fast to allow your body the time and the space to heal. So when I'm talking about a 12-hour fast, I'm talking about sleep. I recently heard of somebody who is trying to fast during the day. Nope. You're already fasting at night when you're sleeping. So it's really just like stop, you know, stop eating. These are arbitrary times, but it's like, let's say stop eating at 7 p.m. and then you don't eat again until 7 a.m. the next day. That's a 12-hour fast. And that can be really helpful to just Allow your body to divert resources to healing and repair versus digestion. Um, now, obviously, that's not going to be appropriate for everybody. If you've got bl uh, blood sugar problems, hypoglycemia, if you have adrenal problems, cortisol dysregulation, um, especially if it's impacting your sleep, that's probably not going to be the best solution for you. You could actually just put your body into a stress response and actually make your situation a lot worse. So you want to be really mindful with this advice that I'm giving you and make sure it's appropriate for you. Um, so that even that 12 hour fast is not appropriate for everybody. Other things to do, limit caffeine. This one sucks because when you're having an autoimmune flare, you generally are pretty tired. Um, but caffeine can just, it can trigger hypoglycemia. It can push cortisol around. And again, um, it's a downright autoimmune trigger for some people. It's a gut irritant. So there are certain things, uh, there's certain reasons to stay away from caffeine or at least limit it during a flare. No alcohol. Again, alcohol is a direct gut irritant. It's going to impact sleep. It's going to impair um, your like repair during sleep. So um, that's another tricky one because if you're feeling like crap, sometimes drinking alcohol can make you feel better temporarily, but it's like, what is the saying? Robbing from Peter to pay Paul? Uh, is that it? Who even knows? But, um, you know, you're basically like short-term solution. You're making things worse in the long term. Um, so avoid 
alcohol, and then really minimize your exposure to chemicals, um, to plastics, things like that. Clean up your skincare routine. We talk about it all the time. The stuff that we're putting on our bodies into our skin, it affects our, it affects a million different things. It affects our hormones. It affects our immune system. We just want to be really, really careful with what we're putting on our bodies. But even things like smells, um, if I'm under stress, if I my immune system is kind of like uh, I'm not in a best plate, great place. If I walk into somewhere that has like a Glade plug-in, or I'm surrounded by someone that's wearing perfume, that could be the thing to put me over the edge. I'm not I'm not even joking around. So um, you know, clean up your home space, make it a safe place for you. If your workplace is you know is burning scented candles or has those Glade plug-ins or whatever, you know talk to them about doing, taking those out of there, but minimize your exposure to chemicals because that is another antigen that's adding to your antigen load. And during a flare, you want to be removing all, you know, we want to be reducing that antigen load and, and staying away from all of the things that could potentially be triggers. Um, and then as far as lifestyle goes, save the best for the last, right? Definitely super important. Um, some people argue that lifestyle is like 80% of healing. And with autoimmunity, I would I would have to agree with that. So during an acute flare-up, you need rest, like deep and profound rest. Um, quiet time. This is a big, this is, every time I have an autoimmune flare-up, I take like one, one big takeaway out of it. Um, and this one was, quiet time. Like I noticed that I had very little white space in my life. Um, you know, even when I was resting, right. Or even when I was like taking a break or having downtime, I would be reading a novel or I would be listening to a podcast or I would be watching TV. Like I just felt like my brain was constantly stimulated with stuff. And I'm, I'm I really had to assess because when I got hit with an autoimmune flare a few weeks ago, I was like, what did it? You know, like why? Why? I don't feel like I'm under stress right now. I don't. I don't feel like I have too much on my plate. Like what was it? And so I kind of racked my brain, and that was the thing. It's like even though I was I was creating ample downtime in my life, there was just like no quiet time. Um, so what I agreed to myself was, and I'm been have been implementing this or trying to every single day. It's one hour a day of quiet. So that could be meditation. Uh, being in the woods, sitting out on my back deck, just like listening to the birds. We've dubbed my backyard the Emerald Necklace. Not original, but it works. We're just surrounded by this canopy of trees and it's so beautiful and quiet and private and just feels so deeply nourishing. Like I've really gotten into listening to birds lately. <laughs> it's like my new old lady thing. I just sit out and just listen to the birds. But any sounds of nature... Are, have a direct impact on our stress response and on our immune system. So listening to birds, um, listening to the breeze, like the rustle of leaves, a bubbling brook. We have a lot of running water by us. So I'll just like go post up by like running water and just li listen to that. And it's so lovely. Um, going for a walk without headphones. That's what was hard for me. I'm like, listen, I'm doing all of these things. I'm taking care of myself. I'm walking in the woods every day, 
what's up? Like, why am I having an autoimmune flare? And I realized that when I went for a walk, I would like be working. I would be doing, you know, conference calls or uh, listening to podcasts or whatever, right? So um, I agreed to just like go for walks without headphones. Um, and so what I, what I, my goal was to do one hour of quiet time, mental white space a day. And it didn't have to be all, you know, an hour altogether, but like, I kind of piece together it. So like, you know, I, I journal and I meditate for 30 minutes in the morning and then I'm, I go for a walk every day. 30 minutes of it is like unplug time or, you know, sitting on my back deck, whatever. Um, and that has been really, really helpful for me. Um, really helpful. And it's just a practice that I've kind of love now. Um, another thing is sleep. You've got to get your rest in, whether that's sleeping, you know, getting extra sleep at night, going to bed early. If your schedule allows for it sleeping in, I know we have, we can sometimes feel a little bit guilty about that. And obviously that's not, that doesn't apply to those of us with young kiddos. We don't usually get the luxury of sleeping in, but if it, you know, if you can make it work, make it work or, um, getting naps, especially if your autoimmune flare keeps you up at night, getting those naps in. And then I'm totally stealing this from um, feminist oasis. I was on a panel with, with her and she, um, talked about horizontal days. So she's big into political activism and that wipes you out. So one of the questions, like, how do you do this work without burning out? And she's like, I have horizontal days, um, where I just lie down all day. And, um, I love that. I love that. And I've been implementing that into my, my life as well. So just days that you just don't do anything. You just lie on your couch, read a book, watch some Netflix, and you don't feel guilty about it. That's the, that's the catch because we can do those things. We can give ourselves permission to rest, but if it's accompanied by this like sense of guilt or I should be doing something else, or there's some, like, there's other things that I should be doing. It's not exactly rest. It's not restorative. It's just another form of stress. Um, the movement is, is, is a big piece. And this is to tolerance. So some people with autoimmune disease can't exercise because of pain. And I would encourage these folks to do more movement, um, to just try to get out and go for a walk to your tolerance because moving the body can actually reduce pain. Um, being still isn't great. So there's different categories of people that I'm talking to here. But then we have the other side of things where we've got like the hard charging overachievers that are like, go, 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 go. And you could be pushing your cortisol response and grinding on your immune system and making things work or worse by doing too much physical work. So you have to get really honest with yourself and self-audit and determine where do I fall on this spectrum and what's appropriate for me. Um, for me, when I'm flaring up, that usually involves no exercise. So I, I'm, I do not push myself. Um, I... You know, a, a couple of episodes ago, I forget when, because, you know, these these things don't always air right when I record them, but I talked about how I had, um, I'm trying to put on muscle and, you know, that I was doing more lifting and blah, 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 blah. 
And I was coming home from interval training and from my weightlifting sessions with wicked bad headaches. And I'm like, what's that all about? That's a huge, that's a huge red flag that your body is not responding well to exercise. If you get headaches afterwards, and for some reason, I think I was just so preoccupied, just like, you know, we just forget sometimes that I was like, oh, weird headaches. Um, so I kind of ignored them, not on purpose. I just spaced it. And then there was two times that I came home from the gym and I was leveled, like wiped out, had to lie on the couch for the rest of the day. The first time it happened, I was like, oh, that's weird. Didn't even, you know, didn't even make a connection. The second time I'm like, oh my God, I'm over-exercising. And it didn't feel like over-exercise because because it's, you know, it just, it, it's what I normally do. But I think because I had so many things on my plate, you know, I'm back in school, full client load, developing a new program, like the whole nine, I think my physical activity just became too much. Um, you know, when you put things on your plate, typically you have to take other things off of your plate. And we as women aren't always great about remembering that. So that was a huge wake-up call. Um, that's the nice thing about my autoimmune disease. It usually slaps me in the face to wake me up when I'm like not paying attention to the signs. So um, so for about a week, I just didn't do anything, no physical activity. And then when I started to regain my energy, I started just to go for more walks. And that's kind of where I'm at now, um, like three or four weeks out for my flare. I'm walking every day, three to four miles, and I'm doing the occasional yoga, but it's more like restorative yoga, slower flow, that type of thing. And that's just where I am right now. And I'm, I want to feel like I'm back to 100% before I, I head back to the gym. And that's just what feels right for me right now. Um, another thing that is great to do during autoimmune flares is Epsom salt baths. So taking Epsom salts and just putting like a ton in, like maybe like four cups into a into a tub and just soaking. I have an awesome recipe on my website for a detox bath that just puts a lot of minerals into the tub and it's so nice. Um, and it's just a way to just treat your body with some love when you're feeling not so great and it can be helpful to open up detox pathways and magnesium helps to calm and relax us. So I love that practice quite a bit. And then there are other ways that you can um, increase your body's own natural production of opioids to just make yourself feel better. Um, a great way to boost regulatory T-cell activity is by increasing your body's production of opioids. Um, just things that make you feel good in a positive way. Um, so enjoyable movement, right? If you're like, that's why I'm walking right now, because it feels so awesome to me. It's so nice outside. The birds are chirping. It's beautiful out. That makes me feel super happy. Um, socializing with people that you enjoy. Easier to say, you know, easier said than done when you're feeling lousy. So obviously do it to tolerance. Laughing. Um, if you're breastfeeding, breastfeeding is a great way to um, increase your opioid production. Sex is another one. Orgasm. Healthy touch. Having a gratitude practice, whether you're journaling gratitude or just feeling it, that increases your um, your opioid uh, opioid production. Feeling love, heart space meditation, so really focusing on the space right at your heart, your chest, and feeling 
um, feelings of love. So one way that I, I help people do this is, you know, close your eyes and focus on your your chest, your heart space, your chest, whatever languaging works for you. And then think about something that when it comes to mind, you can't help but smile. So it might be um, a best friend. It might be a partner. It might be a child. It could be an inside joke with one of your siblings, something funny that happened at work. Just whatever, when you think about it, you just have an automatic smile on your face. And then notice what you're feeling in your heart space at this time. Sometimes it can feel like warmth spreading throughout the body and just allow that feeling to take up space in your entire body so you can allow it to move down into your abdomen, into your hips and down through your thighs and your knees and your feet all the way up to your throat through the crown of your head, out through your arms and your fingertips and just fill up your whole body with that space. And it is like a way to just give yourself your own healing. And you can do that literally anytime at any place. Um, but you could also have, you know, body work. So like have somebody come in and do that healing work for you too. Um, I will give you guys some names. So locally, Wendy Durham is a massage therapist. She's amazing. So she rubs you down, gives you a massage, but then also does an energetic reading where she tells you what your body is telling her. It's amazing. It's incredible. She's in Exeter, New Hampshire. Well worth the ride um, if you don't live super close. But if you're local, make an appointment with her ASAP incredible. Um, Reiki is another way to do this. Uh, Christine at the Mustard Seed, that's a place here in Nottingham. Christine does wonderful Reiki treatments. I'm actually getting one from her tomorrow and I'm very excited about it. Um, but there's some distance practitioners. So my friend Kendall and Banks is amazing and she does Reiki through distance. Um, she, you can find her at Kendallin J Banks on Instagram, and I'll link to her website in the show notes. And then Caroline Woodard, she's at Nourished Strength on Instagram, and she also does distance Reiki and card readings, and she's really good stuff as well. So uh, check them out. And then EFT is another type of way to release emotional stress. Um, you know, when you think about stress, I was talking about. Um, stress as a trigger for autoimmunity, there's three main types of stress. There's dietary stress. So this can be eating foods that your body's not responding well to. Um, this can be, you know, gut infections and stuff we already talked about. There can be inflammatory pain stress. So you're like actually feeling pain or the body's inflamed. That's a stressor to the body. We already talked about that. But there's also emotional stress. And I feel like this is the one that gets kicked around and overlooked, but it's probably the biggest, the biggest contributor to stress in the body. So we can't overlook it. And especially when it comes to an autoimmune flare, you cannot overlook the emotional component that this is this is playing. Um, one thing that I think is important for all of us with autoimmunity to stop and ask ourselves is this question. Am I open to believing that illness is here to teach me something? 
Now, I find that the longer you live with chronic illness, the more willing you are to look at this side of things um, at first, especially if somebody's in an acute flare. Like asking them what the lesson in all of this is might not be super appropriate. You're like, oh, just, you know, what's this here to teach you? You're like, screw you. I feel terrible. And I think it's really important to address the physiological side of things, like that, that whole, the whole like actual body piece needs to be looked at. Um, you know, doing all that root cause medicine, figuring out what your triggers are, all of that, you have to make sure your antigen load is addressed. I'm not saying that. You have to do the practical piece, but then you also have to look at the emotional piece and the energetic piece. And what I ask myself every single time my body flares up, this is what I ask myself. What is my body telling me? What does my body need? And then the next step is, what is my soul telling me? What does my soul need? And I'll ask that in meditation. I will journal about it. I'll do like a card pull. I'll bring out all my tips tips or my tricks and just try to get to the bottom of like, what is this here to teach me? Because always there's something, there's some lesson in it for me. And the work that I've done with my mentor, Jessica Flanagan, with the spiritual coaching has been really, really helpful and helping me um, learn how to live with a chronic illness emotionally, if that makes any sense. I mean, physically, I do pretty, pretty great. I'm, you know, I'm in a very good spot. It's the emotional piece. It's the anxiety piece. All of that, that could be really, really hard. The, the feeling like I'm broken, um, the feeling like something's wrong with me, why is why does this feel harder for me than it does for other people? All of that head stuff um, has she, she's been really helpful, and uh, a lot of it is self forgiveness work. And we could talk about that on another show. But I did interview her, Jessica Flanagan. So um, you can check out that podcast if you want to dip your toe into that whole wide world. Um, I, I had briefly mentioned EFT, emotional freedom technique. That's a great way to go in and. Um, lower your stress response. My mom, Sheree Kirstead, is a practitioner, so you can check her out. Um, her website is sheriekirstead.com. I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, and all, all of these different practitioners that I'm talking about and all these different modalities, they're all going to be a part of my hormone program, Your Hormone Revival, because I want people to experience different modalities so they can figure out what resonates with them. Listen, not everything I talk about is going to resonate with everybody. You have to really assess like what what feels good in my body or like what, you know, some things just feel a little bit too out there for us and that's fine. So finding your thing, it's so important to address, again, the emotional and the energetic piece. Um, one last thing that I want to say is you have to simplify your schedule and learn how to say no. Um, especially during an autoimmune flare. Not everybody's going to understand what you're going through. It is not your job to teach them. You have to, your job is to just manage yourself and everybody else can fall in line. It does not matter if you ruffle feathers. It does not matter if people don't understand. It does not matter if you go to a party and you say, I can't eat that, that they, you know, they have a problem with that. That is not your issue. And so really understand 
that an autoimmune flare, you're in healing mode and it is okay to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. It is okay to say no. It's also okay to say yes. And I'm putting this little weird disclaimer in because for so long I was in healing mode and I was like, healing is hard work. Healing is my full-time job. Healing is everything. And I work with so many clients in this space. And sometimes when we're in that mindset of healing is hard work, what we actually need is some fun and some playtime and some enjoyment in our lives. We have to lighten our load a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, um, we had a friend's wedding and I was right on the heels of the flare. I was like finally starting to come out of it. I was finally feeling a little bit normal and I knew we were going to go to a wedding and it was going to be a late night and there was going to be drinking and there was going to be dancing and I had to really assess, is this right for me? And ultimately what I decided was I want to have fun I want to see my friends. I want to dance. I want to do all of the things. And that is going to be so much more nourishing to me on such a deep and profound level than lying on a couch. Sometimes my answer is lying on a couch. I mean, I bailed. I was supposed to go to a concert with my husband last weekend and I bailed on it because I'm like, right now, I just need to like face plant my couch um, and not go do the fun thing. And you just have to... You have to be self-aware enough to know, and I think this takes time and this takes practice, but you have to just, you know, there's no right answer. It's not all rest all the time, you know, it's, but it's, it, you know, it's not all play all the time either. You have to find uh, what is right for you. And I guess don't do things because somebody else is expecting things of you, but instead live your life for you. And I think that's one of the gifts of autoimmunity is that if you really get in sync with that, you learn that, learn how to do that more. Um, at least that's been my experience. Okay, so those are all the like my pro tips after living with autoimmunity for five years and um, you know figuring out how to navigate my life. Uh, one last idea that I'll give you is track your triggers. So if you do have an autoimmune flare, and you don't want to get neurotic about this, but it can be really helpful. If you had noticing a flare up of symptoms, ask yourself like, what just happened? What's going on right now? Is it food? Is it life? Is it stress? Is it something else? Like what happened? Have a journal that you can just track these things down or put it in your phone and start to look for patterns because that can be super helpful. I know without a shadow of a doubt, my biggest trigger is stress for sure no doubt about it. Um, and then that way you can just carry that information forward. Um, so these things don't feel so crippling and maddening. You can be like, oh, okay, I get it. I get why I'm here. All right, you guys. Um, I hope that that provides some help for some people out there. Again, I know everybody, not everybody has autoimmune disease. This, this information is going to apply to every single person that listens to the show. But for those of you guys who, um, who it's appropriate for. I really, really do hope you get some relief and I love you dearly. I'm sending so much love. Uh, it sucks. It's a wild ride. It can be brutal, um, but you are a tough cookie and uh, you can do Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, 
fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you. 